Hi, I'm Trenton Stander. Hi, I'm Tim Brown. And, and this is the Open Heart Cast. They'll be like, what time is it? What time is it now? So we are live here together with uh, myself, Tim Brown, Joanne Wright. We're going to bring you Yes, greeting in salamanders. <laughs> Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. I'm here for a good time, not a long time. Where's my lighter? Where did you put my lighter? Did I steal your lighter? You stole my lighter. No, this is my lighter. Alright, so guys... On the Facebook Live, we're just going to be recording into the podcast that we're already starting recording on. Um, so we're just going to lead into that, and then uh, halfway through, we'll decide to cut the live feed on Instagram. And for those of you who want to follow the uh, conversation, what? This is Facebook. This is Facebook. Okay. This is Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anybody who wants to. Uh, listen to the rest of the podcast with Joanne and have like listen to the rest of the discussion. It's going to be an interesting one. Uh, just, yeah, go to Open Hotcast on Instagram. Check it out. You'll find the link in the description. Yeah. Or in the bio. In the bio. Yeah. Spotify. Oh, lungs. Lungs. Spotify. Spotify, iTunes, Apple. Apple, yeah, these are iTunes. Yes, iTunes is Anchor, Apple. Stitcher. These bloody Android users. One of them. I'm one of them now. <laughs> Welcome to the dark side. Welcome, Alfred. Give me a mushroom. <laughs> what do you want to know? What? Anyway, okay. So let's start us. Are you going to count a sec? Uh, yes. No, you're supposed to count it in because it's your shop. Oh right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Three. Two, one, and welcome to uh, Not So Sunny Rudderford. Yes. We are here in the wonderful um, uh, ambiance of Trinity's workshop. Yeah, we purified this room with cannabis. <laughs> That's what we do. And uh, we have our first official guest, uh, Joanne, who's a bladesmith and a very interesting person. So we're going to get into that later as we go along. Yes, well, it's the uh, primary uh, focus of this podcast is we wanted to get Joanne on for a while, and we've been speaking about it, hey, Joanne? Yeah, for quite some time. Quite some time, and uh, we actually spoke relatively early last year, and uh, Joanne and I met at, I think it was the 2018 uh, Brian Blixen, if I'm not mistaken. Actually, I think it was, wasn't it the Varsity Day? I think it was the Varsity Day. I'm not sure. But I, don't know, I know it was 2018. Yeah, somewhere there at Nielsen's Yeah, place. at Nielsen's place. And uh, so we met there and we sort of kept in touch as time's gone on. And uh, she is an incredible bladesmith, if you don't mind me saying. So your work is really, really very, very good. I, I cannot forge at the moment for my life. So I, I admire, <laughs> Tim can agree with you on that, right? We can do a little bit of knife-making made light, but yeah. nothing else. Vegan knife-making. Vegan knife-making, knife yes. <laughs> Damn it. I'm the flipping butt of the joke again. That's all right, you are. <sighs> I'm so disappointed in myself. I'm surrounded by two blades. I mean, it's a forge. But, but I mean, he doesn't know how to use it. Well... 
He's getting there. He's he gives a dash and then you light the fire. Mm. <laughs> he's, he's learning with Master Jack, so it's wax on, wax off. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and the waxing on and waxing off is like rub through a layer of learning and rub through a layer of bullshit so you can continue <laughs> learning. Like find out what works for you, find out what doesn't work for you. So anyway, the point is, Joanne, how long have you been doing knife making? First of all, how old are you? Give us a little bit of a background, a history as to who you are as a person. Okay, right. um, so I'm 28 years old. So I first, so I've always wanted to get into knife making. Ever since I was a little girl, I had a wooden sword and I chopped down the roses and my stepmom would chase after me because she hated me chopping down the roses. And one random afternoon, I think it was beginning of 2016, when I was starting to work, I was freelancing, I randomly looked up for a knife making course and that's where I found Haven Forge's website. Mm -hmm. And I did the full house course at the end of 2016. Oh, you suck. I still want to do that. So I did uh, my first high carbon steel knife and my first Damascus integral knife. And from there, I just want to I just want to stop you there. So this is now the first introduction that you've ever had to knife making in your life. Okay. Yeah. That's incredible. It's the best place to start because, I mean, what uh, Kevin and Heather have learned to, or what they've forgotten, we still have to learn. 100%. No, I love going there. They're such wonderful people. They are. They're so, you, you went for this, <clears throat> excuse me, you went for this course now, and then how did you progress from there? What, what, what did you start thinking? Because there must have been a definite thought pattern. It's not just something that everybody does. I mean, knife making specifically as a woman now, it's, a, it's an entirely masculine, predominantly, I want to say, masculine uh, sort of trade so, or, or profession. So how has that affected you? Has it, has it affected you at all or have you? Not really. I mean, I mean, when I met Heather and I saw mm. her work and then I, mm. I mean, it was a bit sad that, you know, she can't forge anymore, mm. obviously, due to the injury and everything. But when I saw the work that she produced, I was like, Holy shit. Yeah. Mm. I mean, being a woman, it didn't matter. I mean, she yeah. produced that beautiful work. And nothing really stopped me since then. And after I did that course, I said to my dad, I said, I'd, I'd really like to get into this. So the first thing we did was obviously get a grinder. So my dad helped me get my first grinder, a Herbst mm -hmm. grinder. Um, the only problem was is that I got the grinder <laughs> at the beginning of uh, 2017, but I couldn't use it because I didn't have a place to put it in the house. Oh, goodness. So I had my grinder for about over a year before I actually got a place in the house where I could actually mm. use it and call it my grinding room. Sure. And then I did get a little bit into stock removal. I did mm. stock removal on some of the blanks, mm. and then it kind of, you know, died down a bit because, mm. I mean, I lost a bit of motivation. And then I randomly went to the, the knife show. Uh, the annual knife maker skills show, I think it was mm. 2018. Mm. And that's where I met Stuart Smith, who, mm. as a policy, teaches women for mm. free. So I did some nice with him, and mm. since then he's been a good friend of mine, and he mm. literally lives down the road. <laughs> you are so, so lucky. So he helps me, and if I have any questions, I can go to mm. him. I actually went to him on Tuesday evening because I, mm. I he treated three nights. But mm. I was unsure, you know, of their rockhold hardness. Mm. And the last thing I wanted to do was to grind it to finish and then can't hold an edge. <laughs> so I went to him, he quickly did his little scratch test, and luckily all of them were they're good and I could do mm. the final. Yeah, that's one thing when you're starting out is that 
that heat treatment. Oh man, it's nerve wracking. It's a do- it's a dark art. <laughs> I hate it. I had a knife. I didn't know what the steel was, but I couldn't harden the thing. I thought, I heat treated it three times, and afterwards, like you know what, it's a glorified paperweight. Go ahead. You don't want to be. Don't worry, Trenton's got one of them. <laughs> yeah, and uh, my son, I gave him a piece of steel to forge, and he forged this beautiful knife, and we went to harden it. It was mild steel. But I it. Oh no. <laughs> I've got two mild steel blades on the wall. And Jack's like, I don't know why these things weren't flipping hard. Are you sure it's 5160? And I'm like, oh, snap. I think my mild steel got mixed in there. Oh, no. Oh, man. It's, it's a good learning experience. It's a good learning experience. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's very frustrating. But uh, so what sort of when was the, the pinnacle point, would you say, in your sort of like – endeavors to become a knife maker. When would you say that that decision became prevalent in your life, that you actually made that decision? I would say, I think after I met Stuart, and I spent some time with Stuart because he was the first, I mean, I'd met some knife makers, but mm. for him, I mean, it's it's his bread and butter. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, he supports his wife and his kids. And when I saw that, then that I was like, wow, I mean, I would love to have the opportunity to make this my livelihood. But now mm. I have work, and I'm yeah. grateful because my work mm. helps pay for my knife making. And for your addiction. <coughs> and with, for my uh, it's a serious addiction. <laughs> Let's talk about this. It's a serious problem. We're it's talking about real issues. What, what's debation? <laughs> <laughs> what? Okay. That, that's, what's how, that's, a, that's what Michelle uh, Stewart's wife calls it. Yeah, what's mm. debation? What's yeah. debation? Yeah, well, my wife has actually technically banned me from buying wood. She says, because I've got a, no, she, not because, I don't need the word, it's because I've got a cuck sense of taste. <laughs> so, I've got to the stage now when I'm making a knife, when I get time for the handle, I go to my wife with the, the knife and some blocks of wood and say, which one? And she tells me which one, and I use that one, because then it comes out right. And when I don't use the one she says, it's a fuck. So, the wife is the quality control. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, I had, <clears throat> my bigger pardon, the frog's in the throat again. He's playing mm. those drums nicely. <laughs> <laughs> Such a random image. Anyway, so, I mean, yeah, the knife making, like, it's a, it's a very complex sort of industry to get into and really to understand it to its depth. You know, this is, this is the thing you start learning when you're learning from guys like Stuart and Jack and Niels and all these all these big guys who really know what they're talking about, you start understanding how complex things are with them, like making knives. If you understand it to its deep levels, it's a, it's a very complex thing to understand. Yes. Uh, Jack was talking to me the other day about a book called uh, Knife Engineering. Ah, it's that book that he ordered from, yeah. oh, I can't remember his name, but they, they were going all on about mm. it on the group. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's apparently, it's a very, very good book. Um, because it doesn't, it's not just like a heat treatment book or a knife design book. Or, right. It's got everything in there, including edge geometry and types oh, of grind nice. and everything like that. So that's, that's the finer things. I mean, anybody can re- relatively make a, so to say, functional knife, but um, whether it's any good or not is debatable. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And the thing is that the skills required is so vast. I mean, you've got to work with wood, you've got to work with steel. And even if you forge your blades, you still have to do stock removal on them to get them to the yeah, final. Yeah, forging and then rest is all grinding. 
No, but forging is the first fun part. I love forging. Yeah. This this is the interesting uh, part of this whole thing, what you just mentioned there, Tom. It's like you've got to have an understanding of all these different materials and how to use them and, and the properties of different materials. You've also got many different types of wood, different types of handle materials when it comes to bone, all sorts of things. It's, it's, it's right? limitless, basically. It's limitless. And and now you've also got to have an understanding about like – like silver soldering and if you want to get into making like sort of high-end pieces like mm. Niels does and things like that, how to do that, how to anneal copper, what, when you should anneal it, why you should anneal it, all these different things that I actually don't have a clue about. Mm. But they're all interesting. Mm. And learning about all those different aspects make you a more complete um, craftsman in that area, mm. you know. And, um, I mean, just something simple like – Learning at Jack now, starting to get an understanding of how to work with copper and how to work with different materials where it comes to uh, steel, where it comes to uh, flipping Damascus and how to form the Damascus in a pattern that you want to flow into the tip. <coughs> or like all of these different things that, and techniques that you use to accomplish those, those specific results are mm. incredibly valuable, mm. incredibly valuable. And uh, I think you staying just down the road from Stuart is phenomenal. Also incredibly <laughs> valuable. I um, Shane, I think it was last year he came over to visit because I mm. just moved into my grandparents' house. Mm. And I was just saying, I I'd love to get into Damascus. He's like, come do it at my place. I was like, mm. hell yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got the steel, I got the mm. flux, and mm. then I must just ask him again when he's going to do Damascus, and then I'll, yeah. do, I'll do some Damascus with him as well. Yeah, well, here's the benefit of it. Huge press. I love that yeah. press. Oh man! I've never been to his shop. I yeah. love that press. Well, we'll get you there when we go interview. He's uh, he's going to be one of the guys up next. So I mean, we've we've spoken to a few guys. Uh, <clears throat> I've also um, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll talk about that at a later point. We we don't want to get distracted now. But uh, so so in total, how long have you been making knives? Uh, I would say. In honest truth, um, I'd say maybe, well, regularly, not like mm. one and all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say maybe two years. Two years. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you've done more forging or more stock removal during this period of time? At this particular moment, mainly forging. Mm. Um, I did stock remove some stainless steel knives, and then when I went to Stuart to heat treat them, he's like, oh, crap, I don't have the facilities to heat treat it. And from there, I was like, yep. screw stock removal. Let's just stick with forging. <coughs> stainless steel is... Oh, uh, no. So, I hate it. But sometimes I have to use it. Yeah. Like for kitchen knives, some people really want stainless, and <coughs> sort of at the point of telling them to... To someone else. <laughs> there's, there's only there's only one knife. There is only one. Oh, the <laughs> no, sorry. Anyway, uh, there's only one knife that I might do in stainless, and that might be the the tactical clinch pick that I'm working on for this guy in the Western Cape. They mm -hmm. do uh, tactical training and and fucking all sorts. So that's that uh, clinch pick that I spoke mm -hmm. to you about. But Joel, other than that, I want to I want to stay away from it. I want to stay away from it. Mm -hmm. Even don't that, want to get it that loveless knife I made just before Christmas. Oh yes, I saw it. Was 
I meant to bring it today, but H, the brain is not functioning properly. Um, but that's out of stainless steel. Um, but I don't want to make them out of stainless steel. I'm going to make them out of carbon steel. And then I want to take it to the place that Stuart uses in Boxburg. And I'm going to make them black. Oh, you're going to get black in Ooh, yeah. That's going to look sexy. Yeah, because I want I want to make that, that one. Because that's the, the New York special. Yeah. And the other one, which the New York special is based on, is the hideout, which is just a slightly bit bigger. I think it's a, just a four and a quarter inch bone as opposed to a three and a half. But it gives you a – I want to do those two loveless knives, and they must be black. Yeah. Like, you know, Henry Ford said, you can have it in any colors you want as long as it's black. As long as it's black. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that knife will just look stunning in black. No, it will. I mean, I mean, if you look at those, those, um, that gentleman's bowie of his, that did a midnight special. Yes, I got to hold it the other day. Oof. And then that. Uh, uh, not to drool. <laughs> and that other big one, the, what is he calling it now? Uh, uh, the the stealth fight, fight. fighter. Yes. yes, that one is an awesome black. That's, that's the type of look I'm going for, but with a loveless design. Mm. Mm. It's uh, yeah, that midnight special that Stuart did was like absolutely phenomenal. It looked, uh, it looked, Batman yeah, Batman use it. Batman, <laughs> the skills that I learned in the mountains. <laughs> uh. <laughs> anyway, so here's another question: What do you love most about knife making? So my favorite aspect is. Forging. Uh -huh. I love the forging. Yeah. Um, and I do, I must say, it does daunt me a bit because I'm still learning, but mm. also the handle shaping as well mm -hmm. is, is quite nice. So I've now learned my lesson. Take your time and check your bloody lines because I did a knife recently. Luckily, it's my knife. Mm. Did a nice handle, except the back of it is slightly squibbed. So I've kept it like that to remind mm. me to always check my freaking lines. Because you're like, oh, yeah, it looks nice. And you look at the back, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I also do that. Is I'll be going away, and then it's like half an hour later, the brain. Just check the bottom of the knife every now. Oh, okay, let's just fix that quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it happens so quickly. And That's especially with, with wood, you know, yeah. on a belt grinder. It goes quickly. No, it goes quickly. Cool. That's why, like, I put the machine on slow when I get to, like, when I've removed bulk of the material, I put it on slow, and I just flip and work through. Careful. Because I, yeah, yeah careful it. Because just fuck up slowly. Yeah. Don't fuck up quickly. Because <laughs> if you fuck up quickly, you fuck up very bad. Anyway, yeah. uh, here's another question. What's the best part about hand sanding? Best part about <laughs> <laughs> I must say, hand, hand sanding it is can be a bit of a pain, but I I do enjoy it in the sense that you can kind of zone out a bit. Yeah. You can put on mm. some tunes, you can zone out a bit. Mm. Obviously, you have those moments where you're like, yeah, you think you're done, and then you put in the light, and like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not done. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's what I try to do as well. Mm. It's just I use other other means to also chemicals. But I must say, the one thing that really mm. helps just before hand sanding is to use uh, the gator belts. Yeah. Just to help get that flatter polish, it does help. I've, I've ordered some, like a set of each grit, um, mm. two, so like two sets basically, mm -hmm. all the way through to whatever grits. I don't, if there's one grit, I think the guy doesn't have. No, he's getting the, 
I can't remember. It's the A65, the A45, and the A60. No, the A30. Okay. Yeah. So that's like to about 800, 600, 800, something yeah, like that. Yeah, because mine is the, either it's a, the 220 and then the one closer to 400. Yeah. But uh, like just like what Stuart taught me, you mm. just use it right at the end. Don't use it for predominantly grinding, just, yeah. to, mm. just to get that nice and flat. Mm. And it's funny, I mean, my bolts, I got two sets of them. I'm still on the new ones, which I've mm. had for about a year and a bit. And Stuart, I don't know if you've seen, but he mm. uses them after a year. It's like quite scary. But yeah. that's his life. That's his, that's yeah, he does a lot more production. Yeah. I've got, I have, I have a A145, which is like a 150 grit, but I half tore the belt. Oh no. And then I've got the A65 and the A45, but then I also got the Norax belts now to try out mm. because the gaiters weren't available for a while. So I've got the Norax up to a X5, which is like a 2,500. Sure. So I'll be trying those out. And it's like Shit says, I grind up to 120 with the ceramic belts. Then I use a 180 softback, the, the J-Flex, but the, 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 the VSM one, just to get my plunge lines nice and clean and to clean up the blade. And then I go over to the... Then I go over to the Gators and the Norax, and that's just to just try and get all the scratches out because mm. on the knife I did in in one I finished in one day before Brooklyn, yeah, the big Bowie. Yeah. I didn't have Norax belts, but I took it up to a A16, but on the old Trizac belt, which is that grey one, oh. and I started on 600 grit, man, said and it took me less than an hour to hand sand both sides. To a, I think I did it into a thousand, and then I did the itch because it was a sand mm -hmm. I didn't do the full episode. The, the <laughs> knife came out very, very cool. Yeah, so yeah. it was lovely. It was, yeah. it was great. Because so. the other trick, um, well, Kevin taught it to mm -hmm. me, is especially with the 48-hour valuable that mm -hmm. I still am trying to finish. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. So when I got to, um, you know, to the, just before the hand sanding, I mm -hmm. remembered from Kevin, you know, obviously we grind like lips, but mm -hmm. when you're hand sanding, you know, you're changing your direction. Mm -hmm. So just before I went to hand sanding, I just went on a round wheel, mm -hmm. 400 each side, and it just helped me get the direction. Because you actually work most of your time getting your scratches in the other direction, so that, mm. that helped a bit. But I only do it on my big blades, little blades. Yeah, the big it's the big blades. It's the big that blades take. that you're like, oh shit. Mm. <laughs> mm. But then if if you get to if you're doing hollow grinding, then you can't really you need no, a special you wheel. Yeah, you need a special mm. wheel. <laughs> I'm sure I can engineer one of those wheels. I'm sure you could. I'm sure you could. But uh, on that loveless one I did, I did on the 75 mil oh, yeah? hollow grind and <coughs> smoker's cough. Um, there we go. I made one of those things like Jack said, uh, the sandpaper stick yeah. with you, with your hollow grind. Well, yes. a word of yes. the sandpaper. Yes. And it didn't, it didn't go too badly because I do it on that small grind of mine where I've got up to, I think it's an 800 cork belt, synthetic cork belt. Mm -hmm. And then the hand sanding went for stainless steel went relatively quickly actually. Sure. I hate hand sanding stainless steel. It's a me. I hate hand sanding in general. For me, it's the bloody plungers. It's like oh, yeah, and then you're like, well, you know, how, how the flip do I get? So, so something that I picked up from Tim 
And I've got two small stones that I use now for that purpose. Mm. Just for your plan. Just stoning it in. Stone it in. Like if there's any inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. And like Tim told me that. And I, like, I saw what he was doing. And I was like, that's a lot. No, what that's I did is I bought one of those really cheap oil stones or those carborundum stones. Yeah. And I cut it with a diamond disc. So nice. I got two small pieces. And I just soak it in water. And then I just get the the plunge is consistent because it's a nice and soft stone mm. so it takes the curve you so need so it takes a curve oh wow and it's a tw- 220 grit so then if you go to 320 mm. it's very smooth yeah the rest, think, of the rest of the blade is fine mm. it's when you get to the plunges you like mm. Mm. and that's what uh, Kevin and Niels do with their plunges they yeah, use so stones yes so that, mm. that that helped me a lot I mean I had a kitchen blade that had Oh, the the plunges weren't like you, you don't want to have like plunges per mm. se, but mm. there were there were ripples mm. in in where it was sort of running out and becoming flat, so that mm. the tang was all flat and lined up. But oh my word! So I took these stones and quick sticks mm. out. Then you just sand it up the rest of the way. It's mm. funny, Stuart showed me. I don't know how you can do it. You can actually do these plunges with a gator hook. I don't know how the flip you don't like. Da, 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 da. <laughs> it's yeah. like Jack does his plunges on the on the razors. It's like oh, you yeah. just do, yeah, yeah, and they don't. It's done. like, but then it's years and years and years. Yeah, and when you like the only time you know Jack's really careful is when his tongue's out. He'll have his tongue out like, <laughs> and he'll be like carefully before. And if you say Jack, I want to ask you something, he'll just like stop and like look at you. You know, be like. I'm trying to fucking concentrate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, flip. <clears throat> but anyways, like, um, yeah, it's, grinding is, oh, man, I mean, I did a shit ton of it before Brooklyn, and I just started to kind of get my way into it. And, uh, but before I got my way into it, the, the one knife, the one hunter for Brennan, mm-hmm. I actually fucked that one up. Yeah, but that's not, and, uh, it's yeah. the third time now. It's the third time. It's just to do it. What, what I, or what Stuart has taught me, um, is don't make one Because when he forges, you mm. see him, he, you see, he forges in like batches of yeah, yeah. Like He'll forge a few knives at a time, and that's what mm. he's taught me. So I've actually, I've got two knives that I uh, ground for heat treat, and I've got mm. three others, and I want to mm. grind them all together because in mm. that way you can practice, 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 and then you do the handles together, you do the guard put up together. Yeah, I did that with a, a yes. set of. of Kitchen knives with vegan steel stainless, and I I just broke the edges because it's three 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 point two or something more stainless, and I just broke the edges, and then I they're all hidden tape, <clears throat> so I made a dummy handle that I just stick on so you can actually hold the knife when you're grinding, and then I literally went. Because I start with the 80 grit belt, the orange Norax belts. And I start there and I go, do both, like do halfway and then the full grind on one knife. And then I go the next knife. So I do all the 80 grits and then I change over to a 120. Yeah, and then do them all because you get much better flow there. Mm. And then I also start. And all the knives are the same, like mm. they're different. Like, no, but they did, they were different shapes because there was a cleaver, a chef's, two chef's knives. A carving knife, a petty knife, and then he also wanted a hunting knife. Shit. Yeah, I also do that as well. If I've got mm. a few, I'll try and, you know. Mm. 
Well, that's that's what I did for Brooklyn. Is I got a whole bunch of blades cut out, got them heat treated, and then just started pumping out with the grind. But uh, and eventually you, you start like almost getting your eye in, mm. and you like then you start grinding your plunges more accurately. Everything. I mean, Jack had done some pre-grinding on the um, those hunters that I did for Brendan, mm. and for the most part, I got both of them right. But there was this one little thing that was bothering me. That was a little thing. Oh my gosh, it was a little thing. But it's always a little thing. And I thought, oh, I'll just fix that quickly. And then I started fucking up more from there, more from there, more from there. And yeah. Anyway, but that was one out of like a couple. Mm. So. And then also the recent thing, because now I'm getting back into grinding again, is also learning your pressure. Yes. Where to apply pressure and to feel. And when you yes. get it just mm. right, then it feels cool. Yes. Then it's nice. Yes. Right? Yes. Slowly figuring out, okay, where's my pressure? Yes. Shit. Well, I'm going to have to get my thumbs burnt in again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I've started doing on, on the bigger knives is doing almost like Stuart teaches the ground by numbers or as Neil says he works on a section because if you're doing a long stroke when you're doing your roughing it becomes very difficult. So you do one section and then you overlap and you just blend, yeah, blend, I, I blend, do, blend, I blend. Yeah, I do that as well. It becomes so much easier. And then when you go to your higher grits on, on your gator belts then you can do the whole thing. Then you can do the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I had to do that as well. So little sections, mm. make your knife shorter, work that section, da da da, and then. Yeah. Especially like the, very around the, the other way around. The Jeffrey. Yeah. And that mini Gladius that I did. Yeah. Then I was still finished. Because the mini Gladius goes from a fairly steep bevel to very flat at the point. So you've got to blend it in, you're like twist oh, it. Oh my goodness. That's but you do it in sections. Sure. And once you've got it sort of rough to where you want it, mm. then you go over to a higher grid because then you can you can start sweeping more and blending it more nicely. And also helps you have a full end model because then it, your your run out is okay. <laughs> the, the way Jack does plunge lines is, and he's taught it to me in this specific fashion. That like you break it down into steps. So like when you grind your your bevel, don't worry about give yourself a reasonable amount of space. He says when you're learning, this is beneficial. So like, do your bevels, get them right on both sides, and then start now blending those bevels into the plunge lines. But he does it very specifically. He'll take it up close now to where he wants his plunge lines to be, and then he's got his belt straight on the corner, like running just flush with the corner. Just flush with the corner. Not overlapping, flush, flush, flush with the corner. And then he uh, he like sort of carves it in. And what he'll do is he'll make a step, and then he'll make another step, and then he'll make a smaller step, and then he like runs into them all, mm. and it just goes, and it does. And then you do this like the the steep section, and then you bring it down further the next time, and you like blend it in. But he like sort of almost. Works pulls just on it corner. on the corner and mm. then like blends it in. Mm. Yeah, Stuart's Crazy. taught me a similar thing. Also the same, you know, give yourself some space mm. and then the same thing. So how he taught me is that first of all, bring this corner down, bring that down, and then yes. you blend it. Yes, it's the same it's thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So I always give myself space. Now I get a pen. It's funny. I get a pen and I mark it. The one side is always perfect. And the other side is either just which, a bit Which is your strong point. Which is your strong point. Uh, I, I, think, I think it would be my right side. My right side is yeah. also stronger. Yeah. yeah, my right side was stronger. And then, this is a long time ago. Because I've been making knives for like 
Four years. Don't come with that stuff, Peyton. <laughs> Actually, there was oh, I'm going to hold back. I'm going to hold back on this one. Uh, oh, we, we, yes, we wanted to have a look at your knives. My right side was stronger, and then I made a conscious decision to start with my left-hand side first. Whenever I grind, mm. so your brain yeah, is I fresh. Start, yes, that's mm. so you start with your weak side first. Yes. And then you go with your strong yeah. side. And then my left yeah, side so got better than my right side. Uh, ignore the one with the epileptic fit. I'm still trying to figure out how to punch my That's offensive, Joanne. <laughs> That's offensive. No, Stuart said That's he offensive. had an epileptic fit on that one. I was like, <laughs> but I'll grind it out. It's fine. Um, and then this is the one I forged two weeks ago. So. This is nice. I like this. Yeah. But I must say, I'm a bit like Stuart. I've got a thing for the for the hidden narrow tanks. I am with you on that. I much prefer hidden I tanks. Prefer it. It's a lot more work, but it's so much more satisfying. Not really. Is it not? If you think about it, when you... <clears throat> so you forge your, your knife out. Yeah. Grind it to shape, blah, blah, blah. Right. Now you've got to put a handle scale on it. So mm. now you've got to drill it. Okay. I, I buy blocks. So first yeah. I've got to split it. Then I've got to drill it. Mm. And then I've got to... I bandsaw my edges out because I want to save my belts. Ah, okay, okay. All right. Now you've got to. Get, then you've got to remember to do the front side first before you glue them on. Ah, so you do a bit of pre-shaping before you. Mm. Yeah. Oh. So now you you do all these steps. You've got to do it to both sides. Mm. For me, it's easier. I draw mm. a six millimeter hole. I take one of those Brushes. dragon fangs. The brooch oh, is yeah, yours. I also love that brooch. It's I brooch cool. it out, you fit it on, you get it very, very close, and then you just get it on, and you glue it, and it's done. Yeah, the, the one thing for me, mm. I enjoy doing it, but I've only, I mean, I, I was well aware, obviously, you need to have your shoulders square, but also, your castle needs to be square as well. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> if it's not, you got to, like, doctor it, you got to smash your guard in just to try and fill in those mm. little gaps. Well, what I've, I've started doing now with my guards... Uh, you have a look at that one. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. Mm. Um, what I do <clears throat> is once my guards fit up to the shoulder, uh -huh. then I scribe a line. Do you grind it back? Your tang back? No, no, no. I scribe a line. I do sometimes grind the tang back a bit, but mm. what I do now is I scribe a line on the bolster, like on the guard, and then I take my graving chisels and I grave like a recess, oh, and then I go with my uh, rotary burn, and you clean it up, mm. so that it actually sits just below the surface. Sure, well, yeah, I, I just do that fast. <laughs> <laughs> I did it by fast for a long way, but then when no, Jacques... This was recently. Yeah. When Jacques Mungus left, he said, oh, I've got this forward, and the shaft's broken, you can have it. Yeah, so I now I have a hanging motor. Oh, that's nice. Well, he, the, the shaft was broken, he said. He said he's taking his Dremel because he's moved to uh, yeah. UAE. So it's like, okay, I'll take it. And all it was is the the, the spring that's the drive shaft had pulled out of the adapter that goes onto the main shaft. So I just glued it in there and it works. Hmm. Fantastic. It's an awesome tool to That's have. brilliant. But I need my 10-year-old eyes. Yes. Your 10-year-old I'm past 40, so everything's getting too... Beyond the arm length. Yeah, you need, a, you need a selfie stick. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. then it's too far My dad away. has the same problem. <laughs> He's got nothing wrong with his eyes. His, his arms are too short. Yes. <laughs> My mom says the same thing. <laughs> Although she went for that, that laser surgery. 
So actually what I wanted, I pulled out the wrong one, but there were two knives that I got ready for heat treat. And this was it this one. I got the I got the run in so nice on that one. I was so proud of that. And then this one, the one side is a bit but it doesn't matter, it's rough grind. But that one I was very happy with. The the tang is a bit squip, so I'll just have to fix it. <laughs> No, but there's nothing a grinder can't fix. Yeah, I can always, I can always just. Uh... There are things a grinder can't fix. When you grind too thin. Yeah. Well, you. It's your problem when you learn from a guy who does straight razors. You want to make every <laughs> knife like thirty microns now thicker. I, now I've got a problem. I'm not going to think you're going too thin. Oh, uh, flip sake. This guys, is awesome, though. These are very cool. These guys are at. Okay. We're just uh, waiting for this construction to happen. We're, we're all think? mesmerized. That's going to be a beautiful stack. That's going to be a beautiful stack. Yeah. Nice. Hold on to that one. Nice. And then the guard is all iron. Oh, that's a big time. blade, Joe. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> that's the 48. <laughs> Shame, that's actually. Has this good. been hand Is that this why it's so paranoid? This, that's why it's got that condom. Yeah. Yeah, nice. it's only at 400 at the moment, so I'll do final cleanup just before. At this stage, when it's hand sanded for me, I do not take it out of that <laughs> at all. Like, even to show myself, I don't do it. I'm so paranoid about it getting scratched. Especially on my kitchen blades, you take it up to 2,000, you put that thing on anything less than 2,000. This just took me forever. Sweet. This was the wrought iron spacer, but I had to file it in, and it took me for flipping ever. <laughs> just to get it done. And also, the other thing with the hidden tang, if you're doing stacks like this, it's much easier to do a stack like this on a hidden tang than on a full tang. Yes, agreed. Uh, Purple heart. Yep, purple heart and wild. Nice. So nice. I must just uh, I must just pin these guys together, obviously for rough shaping. Mm. And yeah, so that looks cool, man. So quite, but this is going to be quite a beast, shame. Yeah. This one, this one's my dad's knife. I promised it to him because I hadn't okay. made him the knife yet, and I'm like, yeah, do you want this bad boy? And he's like, yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Full of oranges. I won't drop it, don't worry. Oh, it's falling. <laughs> She's like taking it out of my hands as if to say, you are going to drop it, motherfucker. <laughs> uh, no, but that's the thing. Like, when I, I remember when I would show my grand my, my kitchen knives and stuff, and then she would always want to hold it. I'm like, look with your eyes. But, but anyway, so she, like, she picks it up and then she feels like if it's shot, but she feels so dangerously. She's like oh, running her. I'm like, what if it was shot? What then is it? Yeah, but that's the whole, the whole knife etiquette thing. And I stood with the shows, he's always going on about that yeah. knife etiquette. It's, it's an important thing to talk about because. Francois could see a got upset about a guy who came and ran through to his table and was stuffing around with one of his knives and he said to the guy, hey, slow, slow. Mm. But I must say one thing, out. I always do, I always ask if I can handle it. Oh, I do too. I, I just don't to want to be an arsehole and be like, you know, just pick it up, always say, you know, may I just... Yes. My, my issue at shows is when... Papa, Brunchesinki, 
Yes. <laughs> and you've got this little, like, 10-year-old who wants to pick up a, a 5,000 and knife that's oh, got a razor no. edge on it. It's like, no, please, no, just please, go away. Don't touch it. It's like that little guy, that little bugger at the Brooklyn Mars show. Mm. So he's very respectable, but <clears throat> he, uh, oh, he had chips, chip oil all over his hands, and he held the Jeffrey, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, obviously, the blade, I still need to clean up oh quite a bit, but I'm very happy with how I did that. Let's have a look at that. That is beautiful. Is that what giraffe is bone? Yep, giraffe bone, African backwood. That is beautiful. Very clean, eh? I like that. Oh, that's very nice. Ooh. So yeah, check that one. Uh, that one, that was, that was actually my first narrow tone. Uh, Stuart Holt reshaped it. Oh, this gorgeous setup is nice. Good. Yeah, that was my first one that I actually did by myself, and I was actually quite proud of it. You like a tento point? I do like the tento. Thank you. This <laughs> is lovely. I really like this. And then this is my one of my full tangs. And then this is my baby over here. Ooh, frame handle. Yes! I did this one on the course with uh, Kevin. I did the Bowie course with Kevin. You suck so much more! <laughs> I only want to do a course with Kevin and Heather so that I can do the Bowie course with Kevin. Because you can only do that course if you've done other courses. You're going to hate me because I'm yeah. going on the two-week course in April. Oh, that's okay. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is stunning. I love this, man. This is... Yeah, so that's... Uh, I believe that's Black Wedge and that's my Lovely. This is my baby. Wait, before, before we get to that, I just want to have a look at that. I didn't hold this one. Okay. Yeah, that I need to do a bit more cleanup on the blade, but that's fine. Right. Right. That'll happen after. That's lovely. That's lovely. Splendid. Very nice. Let's so this, this is one. my Bowie. Okay. Uh, so Where, where's my condom? Oh, this one. Yes, don't don't say that on here, Joanne. Good okay. heaven. It's condom said, for my blade. <laughs> you said so much worse. Now, can you please get please give me one of the lighters? Because they're both there by you. Oh, they are. Look at that. There's yours. I'll wait until you finish your thing. Oh, sorry. So, uh, so that is ringed Gigi. And then the center is Sneezewood. I love Sneezewood. We, we, uh, we need to take photos of these before you leave mm. so that we can actually post these with the, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Then that'll be all on Instagram. And, uh, yeah, it'll help with business potentially. That is a beautiful knife. Yeah, you can't handle it. It's too good for you. Hey, one second. I'm going to handle that. Bit. I'll give it back to Joanne. That is a nice frame handle. All right. Sure. Because if we go to the course, it's like, do you guys want to do a frame con handle construction? I'm like, of course. Because <laughs> I see it. Most guys do it, and they have the steel as the center. Mm. But with the wood, it actually looks, mm. looks a lot nicer. And then the steel was from a, I think it was a railway. It's a railway. It's just yeah. got a whole shitload of it sitting But it's a good quality steel. It is. It's got a pattern. Yeah, it does have a pattern. It's quite thick. Yeah, it's, it's got a, a, a structure to the steel. Mm -hmm. And he loves that steel because it's, I think it's about a 0.6% carbon, somewhere around there, which is perfect for big bowies. Mm -hmm. um, it's a big knife. Big knife. Oh, oh, this is not. Yes, my. And then 
Yeah, well, what gets me is this this plop plop because mm. that is also quite it's quite deadly as well. So it's a fighting. It's a fighter. Yeah. What is this wood? Uh, so it's ringed gidgey. Um, when we had the hammer in with Lynn Ray, the Australians that were there for the two mm. week course bought some Australian wood, and we were doing a bid for. Uh, who's, who was the gentleman who shamed his workshop? The roof caved in and all the, the water, all his equipment was damaged. So we were having an auction and I managed mm. to get that one piece of the yeah, auction. Okay. And Shane, the, the manager actually came up to me afterwards and gave me another piece of ring to get you. <laughs> oh, yeah? That I've just kept in my cupboard. But that one's a lot darker. It's Lovely. This is stunning. Uh, Mr. Is Tag. Really nice. <clears throat> Alex and Sam and that one for that wood. Because Alex and Sam do the forge cast. They were on the 24-hour dagger build as well. Were they? Yeah. Uh, Alex is from Valhalla Ironworks and Sam is... Yes, yes, yes. I love his book. Yeah. So they... they um, are, are like, the, That's the full tank. Yeah, the full tank. That one I got the grind mm. glass in. Now that is nice. That is nice. I've been working on a very similar sort of knife. But with, like with my own rendition, it's actually right over there. It's a, that small one. This one. Yeah. But as a small carver. Oh, nice. So I really like these kinds of knives. They, this is a very cool knife. I like this. And it'll make a nice, also purple heart. Yeah, that's the one that I did a little blowy torch to get the collar out. Is that how that spine? No, the spine. Oh, the spine. I'm thinking about for a bushcrafting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you're looking. The, the spine is nice and sharp on this one. So for scraping a ferrocerium rod, this would be very, very nice. The only thing about this sort of length blade for bushcrafting is it's ever so slightly long. How long is it usually? Approximately about four and a half to five inches. So... But still, that's a nice... It's still a nice... I mean, you could definitely do bushcraft. Just wipe your sweaty hands off. <laughs> so she's got a towel, so I'll let her do that. My apologies. But uh, it's a beautiful knife. It really is a stunning blade. Yeah, that's pretty much what yeah, I brought to those, those are all very, very nice. I, I actually did one over here. Let me just pull it out for you. This is a kitchen blade I've made more recently. Oh, wow. Have you got to put your logo on it yet? Not yet. Not yet. I'm going to do that at Jack's. Ah, also purple one. Yes. That's the one you try to heat color. I tried to heat color it, but it didn't really come out. And I took that up to like a thousand grit on the handle. Steaming in between. And, but it almost looks dirty, the grain. Yeah, it does. It's weird. It's that's, that's the one I like the most. Yeah. I've still got to clean this one up and finish it and so on. And it's got copper liners. I like the copper. No, and the script with uh, copper, with copper lines. Everything was have copper lines. Well, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm digging it for some reason. I'm loving copper recently. That one is also nice. Yeah. A lot of people like it. So, also a very similar design to this one, mm -hmm. but uh, 
I might even make them less broad, okay? Yeah. Because I'm looking at jaws and I'm liking that sort of breadth. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm sure you've heard Stuart talking about it many times, about, you know, the, the square uh, square handles with yeah. round corners. And this handle, I originally did very chunky. And then mm. I went back. And you can feel that now, I mean, this is just mm, it's yeah. perfect for me. Yeah. yeah. He says you can have, uh, he prefers oval handles. But he says you can have like a rectangular section, but as long as your surfaces are curved. Because mm. I must say, I, I don't know about you guys, but when you actually get to shaking the handle, you spend a lot of time feeling. <laughs> yeah, you do. You can't. You do. You spend when, a lot of time feeling. When Alex from Valhalla Forge, when he does the, when he does his handles, he closes his eyes sometimes to feel it because he says it's all about the feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you feel the sharp corners always mm. like digging in. Yeah. Full of wine it is. So now that we've stopped perving over one another's knives, <laughs> um, we can get back to yeah. You know, that was that was just a, a session of knife porn because yeah. that's what that knife was. Porn. Mm. Knife porn. Um, so yeah. So I mean, it's a hell of a lot of fun. Look at her putting, taking time on the podcast to go and put her blades all neatly. Yes. That's when you know you've got a dedicated knife maker. You have to be. They're my little babies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have a boyfriend, hence why I have something to them. <laughs> oh, they're my babies. <laughs> like, probably how every knife maker views like a finished product that he's proud of. My precious. Oh, my goodness. Poor old Smeagol. Sam was totally the hero of the story. Fuck Frodo. Is it tea? Is it lunch? <laughs> what is it? What's the second breakfast? No, no, it's like no, that's no, because it's it's, no, it's Pippin. So, but yeah. what about second breakfast? So it's breakfast, second breakfast, lunch and afternoon tea. Afternoon tea, it's dinner, dinner, supper. supper. Yeah, I think it's like seven meals a day. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, flip. I wanted, I wanted to do a ripple for that the other day, but I'm still trying to figure out how it's going to yeah. work. How it's gonna work. I, I love that Afrikaans version. Yeah, the Afrikaans version was... Stay safe, mama Rafsian. Oh, flip, it was brilliant. But your man, the plunges on those are like, it's like, they're okay. <coughs> they're not too bad. Um... But yeah, this is going to be like a small crafter, mm. small little bush crafter. And uh, yeah, I might sell some of the higher end pieces with big five animal coins like this. Become a, a collector's edition. <laughs> the Trail Tracker Coin Master. What is Coin Master? That's a game. Coin Master's a game. I like this one. Yeah, you like that. It's a bit narrower. Bit narrower. Yeah. Is this the handle for this course? No, that's for another kitchen knife. Another kitchen knife. Yeah, it's uh, in the hand sanding process at the moment. Okay. It's been in that process for about two weeks now. <laughs> Don't worry, in my cupboard at home, I think I now have. How many knives do I now have in there? I think it's now up to twelve. I have got good <laughs> hands. I've got one project knife. Thank you, Peter. I've got one project now, two, two project now, 
two or three project marks and two orders to finish. <laughs> Interesting. Here's another question for the knife maker. What keeps you motivated in the workshop? Progress. When I see things moving along in their little stages, mm. as small as it is, I mean, because mm. like I got I got knives in my workshop that are like at the hand handle stage, and mm. some that have just been heat treated, some that are still in the forge, and it's just seeing that progress. And I mm. think when you you know get to start finishing off something, mm. that satisfaction of see, oh wow, I actually did this, and it doesn't look as shit as I thought it would. <laughs> <laughs> and then you show it to someone else, like no, it's it, it's still shit. That's an interesting point that you brought up there. Progress it doesn't. Like, that's such a simple answer, but it's such a profound answer in a way, because as long as you're progressing, and this applies to life as well, mm -hmm. so often we look at all the, the things that are going shit, we don't look at the progress that we're making. Mm -hmm. and, and so I think that there's a lot to be said about just that one word. It's a very simple answer, but a lot of dynamics to it, if you think about it. And I think, Stuart, I suffer from depression, so if I get in, I've just got to get myself into the garage. And just start doing any small job. Just even if it's just clean the table or something that you can just get into motion. Mm, I do that, that as well. Yeah, so that you can just start. And when you start seeing those little little wins, then it becomes a bit easier. And then before you look at it's like, ish, I'm just gonna pick up the wire. I'm just fucking lazy. Yeah, we know this. That's my problem. I like I have to like switch my phone off. Like, either off or I, like, put it in my room and I just don't look at it. Yeah, I do the like, same. I, unless I'm hand-sanding and I need my music, yeah. <laughs> I leave it in the house. Yeah, I've got my music on my tablet, so I, mm -hmm. and I don't have WhatsApp or Messenger on that tablet specifically for that reason. Because yeah. I get distracted. Yeah. Ooh, very, squirrel. Very easily. I'm like, oh, somebody mentioned me in a story on Instagram. What? Let's go check it out. Now let's repost that story. Now let's get caught up in all the other bullshit that's on <laughs> fucking Instagram. And you just spend hours. The dead scroll. Yeah, it, it is. It is. Grant and I were talking about this the other day on TikTok. He said he spent two hours on TikTok before he realized it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a problem. That's a problem. And that's the thing. It's You have to be very cautious when you're working for yourself and you haven't got somebody peeping over your shoulder all the time. You've got to be very cautious about how you use your time. Because you can't get that time back. If you ain't making money, you're just fucking around. Right? I'm trying. Oh, I've been trying it recently. But, you know, just setting little deadlines. Just mm. saying, I want to try and get this done. Like last weekend, I got half my deadline. I wanted to get all five knives ready for each read. Mm. I got two ready, and then Sunday my cat decided to go and get into a cat pot, so I had to take him to the vet. So that kind of uh, stuffed my plans up. And also just the consultation fee on a weekend was ridiculous. But he's okay now, but that kind of pissed yeah. me off. But at least I met half my goal. So, half yeah, goal. Half. Well, so it's just setting little goals and yeah. trying to reach them. Trying to reach them every day. It's Have you made your bed yet this I think I left it in the state I found it in when I woke up. Uh, that's generally how it works out. Unless I'm having a particularly good day and I've had a good sleep. And, and then I'm like, you know what, bed, I'll be good to you. Oh, yeah, but if you can make your bed, then you've achieved one thing for the day. Ah, uh, by brushing my teeth is an achievement. 
I do it every single day. Because yeah. I've got a radiant smile. I've got a radiant smile. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I'll take that one. Zoltard, nicotine, and alcohol, and ferric chloride. Why are you putting ferric chloride in your mouth? Oh, my goodness. Imagine. No, I, I left a Damascus pendant in ferric chloride overnight. I went to bed thinking, I feel like I'm forgetting something. And then the feeling passed. I woke up the next morning and I looked. As soon as I walked into the door, it was sitting right there. And I went, ah, fuck. And I pulled up half of the Star of David. Mm. It's basically what happens if you're like Jewish and you only got half the faith in your religion. Then that's the symbol that you have. Half (laughs) of the Star of David. Yeah. Sure, I saw it a while back. Somebody... Did a Damascus knife and mm. got it in the edge. And then pulled out where's the rest of your life. You also did that with an axe. With an axe? Oh. oh no. And he sold that axe, actually. A guy said, I want that axe. Because there was still enough steel there for an axe head, basically. Oh, wow. okay. But it was more like for a wall hanger. He still want, he wanted it. And then somebody that says, can you do it again? He says, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> he learned his lesson. <laughs> yes, but that's hectic. Imagine like spending so much time on a piece and then you just like fuck it up because you forget it in a very long life. Mm-hmm. Fuck's sakes. No, but it happens. You, you get so into it and then you're like... Yeah. Especially if you're trying to do like a... Look, when you're trying to do like slow edge, mm-hmm. Jack's told me do vinegar, use yeah. uh, spirit ring, mm-hmm. and uh, like if you heat that vinegar up, you get beautiful results. Mm-hmm. You get beautiful, especially results. for her ones and stuff. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. very very nice. And then what I did with mine is I like, I don't know if it's acceptable or if it's a, a practice, but I mean I do it in the vinegar. And then I do a coffee edge after that yeah. to darken it. Yeah. And I think I got that from Niels. I think he does that if he wants to darken something. He does like a, a coffee edge. I know that. And I thought, well, that because the 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 Niels um, does it. Stuart does it for um, bold pattern where you want where you, if you if you've got a, a low a lower layer count mm-hmm. where you want the, the black to be really mm-hmm. black, you'll coffee edge it. Uh, Alex Steele and uh, Will Silter also do the coffee edge on their domestic. But they all they all use like instant coffee. Yeah, yes. instant. Why is it only instant though? I has don't. It, has know. it got a higher acidity content? Are you content? going to try try one instant and one filter? <laughs> one filter, <laughs> 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 one decaf. Oh one yeah, how is decaf as well? Decaffeinated decaffeinated coffee. No, oh, no, gosh. don't swear at this. My problem is I need to have something that doesn't look like a coffee cup because if there's coffee in it, I will drink it. I did oh, no. that the other day. I did that the other day. You know what I did? I like took a coffee cup. And I thought, okay, I'm going to keep this warm on my coffee warmer. Mm. I'm going to keep the instant coffee and vinegar in there. Mm. And because it was on the side that my coffee is always, and I had coffee, but it was on the opposite side, I was like, cool. I took a big slurp of this and I went <laughs> out in the workshop. My dad's like, what's wrong? I'm like, <laughs> like it, oh, it was shocking. Mm. It was a terrible, terrible surprise. You know, yeah. you're expecting this pleasant, like 
flavor to go down and it's just like this bitter, horrible, gnarly, instant coffee vinegar taste. Oh, it tastes like hate. Tastes like despair. Despair. <laughs> I just use the top of my forward for my coffee. I just always put it there. Yeah, yeah, that works nicely. Having a coffee warm is very important. Ah, what about the drinks, mate? It's got to be the wiring for it, but uh, I just drink coffee whatever temperature it is. Yeah, same. I can't. I can't. That's I can't. Because I made a plan. I made a plan. That's because you eat eaters. <laughs> I'm a leaf coffee drinker. I yeah. drink cowboy coffee mm. straight up. That's <laughs> <laughs> how I convince myself that I'm a man. Yeah, yeah with a man butt. Yeah, with a man butt. <laughs> Michelle's one. <laughs> He's like, sissy. What else did he say? Oh, fuck a man bun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is so straight. He's so straight up. Yeah. He just does not give two fucks. Mm. Anyway, enough about Michelle. Yeah, we, we blow enough smoke up his ass. So, where do you see yourself in the future? This is such a classic interview question. Yeah. Like, where do you see yourself in the knife banking industry in the future? What are you? What are your hopes, dreams, and endeavors in this? So, um, well, it's I don't I, I don't always like to think too far because it can be a bit frightening, and then you mm. set expectations that mm. are unreasonable. So, mm. the one goal that I have for the future, and I'm gonna make it, is I want to exhibit at Brooklyn Knife Show. That is an excellent year. goal. So, um, the plan is to at least do ten knives with sheets. Mm-hmm. Luckily, I have some knives already, and I'll do some knives on the two-week course. Mm-hmm. And Stuart's already said I can share a table with him, so that Fantastic. is my immediate mm-hmm. goal. Because I just want to, you know, be more involved with the community. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of the guys know me because yeah. I'm like the only woman yeah, you know. <laughs> around. But just get more involved and actually, yeah. you know, have that satisfaction of selling a knife because I haven't actually sold a knife yet. <laughs> I've made these knives and I haven't sold. Well, it's not going to be long. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah. It, it, your work is really, really impressive. Mm. I mean, the work that you've shown us, and we'll be sharing these these pictures for the listeners to check out on Instagram and so on. But the knives that you've shown us, it's, it's great work. It really is great work. But I would, I mean, my dream is to eventually, you know, have this as my living, but that's probably only a couple of years down the line. For now, mm. I just want to... You know, be able to make a knife and, yeah. and sell it. Yeah. That's, that's my main goal. And the thing is, while you're getting to that point, you build up your your experience, your mm-hmm. client base, and also your equipment. Yes. You're not all like Trenton, you like just get all the shit to live. Ah, uh, boss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you slowly collect stuff. Yeah. A lot of almost, okay, my, gr- my belt grinders are self built. My forge, I won at the Brian Blixen, the first one. My drill press, my two drill presses I bought. Uh, my anvil I traded for a chef's knife. Just been out of a chef's knife. No, I just uh, I scored a lot. Okay. But yeah, a lot of my stuff's been mostly for trade. My post vice I, I got for trade originally, my first one. And then I saw another guy selling one for 500 Rand, which just had the bottom leg broken off. So I bought it, and it was in a better condition, and I sold the one I traded for tongs, and I made my money back on the tongs, and I didn't, effectively I didn't pay for my loss, I made money on it. Fantastic, fantastic. So yeah, big borrow and steal. 
because <clears throat> the thing is, if you set out as it's your sole income, you need the equipment to do it, and you need the client base. Uh, yeah. Or the following. Yes. Like Niels is at that stage where he just, uh, I feel like making a dagger. I'll make a dagger by the time it's finished, it's sold. Yeah, but when he makes a dagger, holy shit. Oh. Even his stilettos, <laughs> I look at his stilettos, and obviously sometimes I'll go with Stuart to visit mm. Niels, and I actually get to pick up those stilettos. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's crazy how beautiful I am. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. How the hell? Yeah. Mm. So even with Sturt, I mean, he's now, he's got quite a big fan base. So mm. even if he doesn't sell enough, I mean, it's going to mm. find a home. Mm. Very good. Yeah. Um, and it's all, it takes time to get to that point. And you also have to, as, as Neil says, what he did with Sean, um, you need to learn how to market yourself. Mm. And that's the longest thing that, or the hardest, or it takes the longest time to learn. Like that skill. And, and this is the other point about that. When you, when you like, your own brand, you as a person. I mean, when we think of Black Dragon Forge, you think of like Niels. It's, it's Niels. Rule He's, number one. Yeah, rule number one. Everybody knows <laughs> Niels's sort of persona mm. on on, and it's not his like it's not even a persona. It is who he is. Yeah. That and and that's the point. Mm. Be who you are. Don't sell. Don't try and sell people bullshit. Mm. Be real because there's a high chance if you're not an asshole that people will like you. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a high chance that people will like you if you're not an asshole. Mm-hmm. So just be who you are. It's much easier to just be yourself than try and be somebody or, or try and be reserved because mm-hmm. you're shy of the camera. All of these things are valid, mm-hmm. but you have to get over them to market market yourself efficiently. Not that I'm a marketing expert, mm-hmm. but it's, it's you something... You don't know anything about the algorithms either. And I had no idea about <laughs> algorithms, just so if Niels is listening... <laughs> One time he shed about shed on me. I was like, apparently there's this new algorithm. He was like, what do you know about algorithms? Like nothing. He's like, don't talk about stuff you know nothing about. I'm like, sorry, Nielsen. I gave him a hug and he's laughing. He's like, I'm gonna burn you, dude, because he had this fucking welding rod. He's like, like, don't hug me. I'm gonna burn you. I still hugged him. Anyway. And at the show, he loves giving me cock, eh? Yeah. He loves giving me cock. He's putting your nose here after the pair of tongs. Yes. Oh, yeah, I saw that. You see that? <laughs> Those tongs are nice. Those yeah, are when I saw that, I was like, crap, where were these tongs hiding? Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> but that, the tongs there, they're made by Farrier Ford. Farrier Ford. Farrier's Rest Ford, yes. Yeah. He makes some really nice tongs. Incredible. Listen, those things are exceptional. Mm. Exceptional. I've never seen anything like it. Mm. In terms of times, at least, mm. very, very well made, bulletproof. They, no, they, they bulletproof. I mean, uh, well, I mean, you work for Denal, you know. But I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, here's the point: it's like the, those things will last fucking five lifetimes. Mm. They, they're mm. incredibly strong. That's and incredibly can... precise. Mm. Precise. And it's making tongs is unlike making a knife because it's got moving parts. Mm. Unless you're doing folders or stuff. But yeah, forging, where you just forge, punch a hole, put a rivet through you, and expect it to work. It takes it, take, it took me probably over a year to get, say, not a proficient, is the word? Yes, English. Yes, proficient at making tongs. <laughs> but every time I make them, I'm going to make another three sets tomorrow. So, well, you have to make. We, we have to get back to the one we did on the first episode of the podcast. Yeah. That still hasn't been done. That's <laughs> why we, we like, 
This is episode 12. Now. Yeah, episode 12. Episode 12. Imagine. 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 Even me. <laughs> I like the tenter. Because I have, I've done, um, I got, I took a ball peen hammer. It was, mm. uh, was Anthony Yates before he went to, mm. where did he go to New, New Zealand? Mm-hmm. He had a cross peen mm. hammer and I wanted one, so he actually helped me do a nice, a 45 degree cross, yeah, on my on the hammer, and then I'm actually going to go to Dennis in February to do my own rounding because mm. that I find quite nice. Nice, hammers, but I don't know. I've gone off. I've gone off rounding hammers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, carry on. What I'm is sorry. The, what um, is the inside no, joke of this hammer? No, no. <laughs> Inside joke. It's an inside joke. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, but, uh, I've gone, although, I don't know, I go through phases with my hammers because I have a lot, or I have a few hammers. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's why I make hammers because you can't buy a rounding hammer um, unless you get it from overseas and then it's going to cost you like two ribs. Um, two ribs and eye socket. Yeah, an eye socket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and your good eye is dead. Um, but, uh, I go through phases. I made a rounding hammer and then I sold it because I didn't like it anymore. But I want to make another one. But a lighter one. But I've got... I want to make a diagonal beam as well. I never diagonal beam. Yeah, the diagonal beam is nice. You don't have to sit there and be like, how the hell? You can just say, Boom, boom, boom. Done. Yeah. But I switch. I went all past six pounder for a while then I went back onto it. and Yeah. The Trenton knows. I think I've got six six hammers hanging on my ass like... So a shit ton of hammers, so it's all be proud. Um, <laughs> we we forgot to do those Thursdays Forge Day. Yeah, I know. Damn. We'll get into it. We'll get it we'll get it done. I think we start off with the stickers, see how this yeah. how successful the stickers are. Yeah. We need it. How many stickers did we sell at the Brooklyn now show? Not too many. Not man. too many. We still got crap done. So yeah. Yeah. We should actually maybe market them. Yeah, we should probably do that. It might help. So it might it might help. Maybe. Yeah. Do you still have some stickers? I do, I do. Did you get some? I think you did. I can't remember remember what happened yesterday, so... It wasn't this morning, so... Yeah, it wasn't this morning, so I don't know. I can't even remember what happened this morning. You get up in the days and I'm like, Brush teeth. (laughs) Get coffee. (laughs) (laughs) It was like... That that thing I put on on the group, what's it... In the morning before coffee, I hate everybody. And after I had my cup of coffee, I feel good about hating everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you feel justified. You're like, I'm not just being an ass. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's it's great to have had you here, Joanne. Uh, we really enjoyed the, 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 the discussion and, mm-hmm. and just finding out a little bit more about you and so on. One thing that we haven't discussed, which is something that I wanted to cover, and Tim also mm. mentioned that we both wanted to speak a little bit about this, is that you do some sort of martial arts. Is that correct? Yes, I do. Right. Would you like to uh, share some of that with us? Yeah, sure. Um, so I do traditional Chinese uh, martial arts. Mm. Uh, my school is called the Chinese Martial Arts and Health Center in Parkhurst. Mm. It's been running now for, I think, 35 years. Okay. So we do northern style, which is all the bare hand forms, and then we mm. go into the southern. So that's all the animals, uh, 
tiger, snake, crane, leopard, dragon, mm. and a whole lot of weapons as well. So mm. the straight sword, the broad sword, staff, mm. spear, kondal, pudal. We also have some exotic stuff. I know fan and sai, which is okay. quite wow. interesting. And I've been doing that now for about 11 years. But okay. I've been at that school for about six years. I first started mm. with Wing Chun, which mm. is a... Uh, much newer martial arts. I mean, it's quite mm. famous because Bruce Lee also mm. learned the first two forms. Mm. But it just, it was too static. Mm. Like, you didn't move around enough. There's mm. only three stances. And the school <coughs> I'm at now, we actually have 20 stances. So it yeah. teaches you to go alone to build the strength mm. in your legs. Mm. And it's it's quite interesting. And also in terms of self-defense, because no offense to some martial arts schools, but like Wushu, for example, it looks beautiful. It's flashy. Mm. But they can't do shit. Mm. We, yeah. With this, from everything that we do, has mm. at least limitless applications, mm. wow. which is quite amazing. And in our school, when you get to a certain level, you actually have to make your own format. Plus, you have to write a thesis as well. <laughs> so wow. it's okay. quite hectic. Yeah, I like. It. I went. I spent about two months in China when we were setting up a factory there, and uh, we always used to say we had our own fan club at the hotel because. Every morning there was a group of people outside the hotel that were practicing it was wushu because they mm. used it. It's all the circular movements. Yeah. But then all the way on the way to where the factory was, and in front of the factory there was a big open space where a whole lot of different groups used to practice their martial arts. And the Chinese uh, representative from our company that was there he said it was very important for their chi, for their for the balance. Mm. Um, even if it's not for self defense, it's just uh, it's a sort of a discipline almost, and uh, there was even an old guy who must have been about 600 in the shade. Uh, <laughs> he he was every morning at the same tree, dressed up in his uniform, practicing his martial arts every wow. single morning. Wow, that's a lot of discipline, and I think discipline is important. I mean, yeah. uh, uh, Jocko willing. He's a retired Navy SEAL. He's he's into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is more grappling and stuff. But he's his famous saying is discipline equals freedom. No, yeah. that's true. For a lot of people, when they start, you know, mm. it's for martial art, you know, mm. for self-defense and mm. health. But for me, it was discovering who I am mm. and seeing what I'm capable of. Yeah. Because mm. I mean, you'll see a senior do a move, and you're like. How the hell am I supposed to do that? And then mm. eventually you can do it. And you're like, yeah. it's all mind over matter. Mm. Yes, your body may be may different. You may not be mm. as strong or as flexible, but mm. you can do it. And that's what I love about the school is that we each get taught the same forms, but mm. all of our forms are different and unique depending on our experience, our body type, and how mm. we interpret it, which yes. is what my master actually wants to see. He wants to see your martial spirit come out. Yeah, because it's it's... It's not called an art form for nothing. Yeah. So it is part, it's a whole lot of parts actually. Yeah. And I think through that discipline process, and uh, I did come through for like six months, so I know basically a little bit more than Trenton about it. But <laughs> there's a lot of discipline involved, and, and it's about doing all the fundamentals. Basics. Um, so first principles first. Uh, but I, I found it I find that the martial arts fascinating in terms of a more of a meditative process. So 
for me, I was interested in Tai Chi because it's more like Taoist and it's I more. It, yeah, it, it's not really practical for a self-defense purpose, but it's it's more an art form for like men, for me for mental health for meditation or something. Yeah, we actually do. Um, so there's actually so with, at our school we do the traditional kung fu, the tai chi, and we also have something called qigong, which focuses on breathing. Mm. Also, that meditative because we actually breathe incorrectly, breathing mm. up instead of down into mm. our diaphragm. Yes. So diaphragmatic breathing. And we actually do our, we have to do our Qigong online now due to COVID, but it's mm. actually teaching you how to expand that breath and you can actually mm. elevate your heart rate quite hectically. My master, he will do Qigong and he will monitor. Mm. And his resting heart rate is like 70-something and he'll mm. get it up to 140 just from standing mm. and breathing. Oh, Which is... Have so you heard about holotropic breathing? Have you heard of Kundalini Yoga? So, what it does is it can, after apparently like mastering Kundalini, um, you do these holotropic breathing exercises and they can induce a DMT, very much a DMT like trip. Like a hallucinogenic trip. Like a, a, a hallucinogenic or a spiritual trip. trip. Yeah. Hmm. So DMT trip, dimethyltryptamine is like a hallucinogenic that has been used in with ayahuasca and all the sorts shamans of and shamans all over the world. Psilocybin is also from mushrooms and, and things like that being used in spiritual and cultural, uh, you know, belief systems and practices and and rituals and so on and so forth. But the, the Kundalini is just through, but, but through it's breathing. purely just through breathing. Yeah, the holotropic breathing. I I. I Learned. And also, sorry, it's also through uh, specific poses as well. Yeah, so the poses are pose, involved, yeah. but the holotropic breathing is, I believe, the main part of it. Mm. I mean, I know from running and not from smoking <laughs> that uh, uh, the breathing, because I'm running on what they call the Maffetone method, the Dr. Maffetone method, where I'm trying to keep my heart rate at a low rate. Relative to my age, yeah. I think it's my uh, methadone heart rate, I think is 135. So I try and keep my heart rate average to that because you build your aerobic base. Mm -hmm. Because when you're running long distances, you're not actually running in your anaerobic state because you've got limited energy in anaerobic. Yeah. Whereas if you're in your aerobic, you're burning fat and you get much more or longer sustained energy from the resources in your body. Holy shit. So my aim is to, that's why I'm running slowly, because I, I want to run a 100-mile race next wow. year. And yes. I want to do comrades. Comrades is too commercialized. Actually, it's life. <laughs> <laughs> that, well, that's crazy. But it's, it's interesting, all mm. these different breathing exercises mm. for different applications mm. when it comes to running, when it comes to yoga, when it comes to uh, uh, martial awesome. arts as yeah, well. Yeah, especially with like tiger. It's mm -hmm. very much in there, so it's... Mm. So that's reverse breathing. It's mm. actually, we're actually pressurizing the breath. Mm. So that's why it's coming out, so it sounds like mm. it's that's pressure. Crazy. Mm. And then you have it in the form where you have big out-breaths. So it's almost like... Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a weird... I uh, can't describe it, but it's basically... It's all the... You're pushing yeah. all the air out, yeah. so it's quite... Yeah. And that's to generate... Do you find... Energy. 
I, this is this is a question I wanted to ask earlier. You you know, in doing martial arts, look, I don't know much about martial arts, but I should imagine that with all the poses and all these different movements that you're doing, not only is your balance that must increase like incredibly, must improve a lot, but you must also get some sort of a almost a, like I want to say like you become more aware of your body, like in your mind. Does that make sense? Like you've got a more mental awareness of your body and how you can move and and how you move. Like I've I've noticed with people who've had training in, in some sort of fighting they move in a very specific way. I can't really explain it, but no, they... that that is true. Because um, mm. even now, recently, but okay, I've, I've had issues with my back. Um, mm. That was a weird story. Um, I had to help my dad change the bearing on our gate, mm. and oh, the shucks. gate kind of fell on my head. So oh, a hundred yeah. kilograms went straight through my head oh. while I was in through my spine while I was in a kneeling position, and I think it kind of squished it. So I uh, used to quite a bit of back problems mm. and I recently got adjusted at a chiropractor Okay. and mm. now I actually have so much more mm. movement because now everything is in the correct alignment sure. and also with the martial arts you're more aware of your posture mm. and also feeling because with the martial arts you get to a stage where you'll do a movement and you'll know what feels right and you'll know mm. what feels mm. right. Mm. Mm. And I think yeah. if you're doing the like forms or like katas or where you're doing a whole set of movements you can if you're really in tune with your brain and your, and your and your body, you can almost sort of get to like a flow state. You do. You have those yeah. days where like things just work out so perfectly, and you have mm. your days where, where your body doesn't listen to you. Mm. Your mind is going there, and your body's like, "Fix one." But also, I think it, it comes a bit down to like brain fog or lack of clarity in your brain sometimes, yeah. where you just your brain is just not there. There's too it's too much noise. That's why I enjoy sometimes hand sanding where I actually put earphones in and I'll listen to podcasts, mm. music, that you can just zone out and, and hear the noise. I enjoy that as well. Yes. I enjoy that as well. I, You know, the, the whole reason I brought this whole uh, thing up is obviously noticing how people move who've had training in, in martial arts or, or some sort of fighting in the past. But also something that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger said was, and and he attributed this to, uh, or part of this to his success, is that he said when people were training in the gym that they were mindlessly going at it. Mm. And he said that you have to put, like, I think he said something to the effect of, like, you have to put mind in the muscle. Mm. Like, you have to really concentrate mm. in what you're doing. And there's a picture of him, like, curling, like, mm. with his one arm. And he's like, he's, he's looking at his arm and he, you can see he's focusing on what he's doing. He's mm. making he's sure he's doing the, 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 the exercise the correct way with, to, to get the most benefit out of it. And no. to, yeah, that's, that's important. It's a, when I run, I don't run with earphones in. I run sometimes with music, but I find if I run without earphones in, without music or anything, then I can focus on my breathing, mm. listen to how my feet are hitting the tar. And I, f I find when I run, I try to keep my hands open, but I find my right hand starts to cool up when I get a bit tense and then yeah. re relax, get your posture right, and you can be then more in tune with your body. Mindful of your body. Yeah, mindfulness. Yeah. 
I find that music helps me with specific things, mm. but it doesn't it doesn't necessarily help me with all all aspects of, mm. of like working out. Like if I if I want to concentrate on a specific workout, like if I want to concentrate on doing push-ups, I'll find that like some some good rock music will help me push through that, and I can get more reps or push myself harder than I, than I would be able to before. But like with running, I find that I want to run faster with the more hectic songs, and then I like really slow down with the hectic song, and then it goes fast again, and it's. And I suppose one could get used to that, but if you're wanting to do long distance, like you, mm. you got to learn how to pace yourself. And the thing is, sure. when you're running slow at a lower heart rate, you're putting less load on your body, so you can run further. Mm. You don't get as much lactic acid buildup, yeah, yeah. and so you can get more time on your feet with less chance of injury. Mm. Yeah. But what and, uh, David Goggins runs like that. Yeah, oh, but shit, we're gonna have to do He used to do heart rate monitoring. Um, now he he goes on feel, but what he does is he will he does at least six miles every day. But he'll wake up in the morning, he'll check his heart rate, and his heart rate will determine the intensity of his workout. If his heart rate is a bit high, he'll have an easier day. If it's yeah. Where he expects it to be, then I'll have a normal day, which is like I'll go run like 20 miles. Yeah, just why not? Is this DG? Hmm? Yeah. yeah. He's, he literally just checks his heart rate in the morning and so, says, okay, it's going to be an easy day, or it's going to be a hard day. But then he also, with. But that also depends whether he's in goggles mode. Yeah, I know. When, when he does his hard days, he goes into goggles mode. That's just another animal. <laughs> but uh, he. Um, before. He, or when you start with all this ultra running and stuff, um, with also going through all the Navy training and stuff, his body was jacked. He was so stiff that he started doing, his body actually shut down. He got physically ill from all the tension built up in his body. Because it's like his first 100 mile race he did, he did with no training and he weighed like 200 plus pounds, but he was in powerlifting mode. So, then he started with the stretching, and now he stretches at least two hours every day before he goes to sleep because that's the day, that's the time of the day when he plans what he's doing the next day, uh, what obstacles he might come, how he'll overcome it. So when he starts the next day, he's already prepared, so to say. That's actually a good tactic. Mm. But he does two say, hours minimum every night. Sure. Took me three years to touch my face. I cannot. I cannot I do it. Touch my, oh, my, my body structure, the way it is, mm. my muscles are so tightly bound to my skeleton, so mm. strength is easy for me, but flexibility is a bit of an mm. issue. Mm. But one thing, a bit of a link between martial arts and even forging, or yeah. display, you know, bladesmith yeah. in general, is learning not to use this, but to use everything. Everything, yeah. Because, I mean, he, you've seen Stuart when he forges, it looks mm. like he's falling asleep because he's using his body structure, and it's mm. very similar to, like, our crane movements, and even mm. with the tongs, you know, have the tongs on the side of your mm. hip, you know, yeah. connected to your body. We have the mm. same thing with our pole form. Our pole mm. is always three points of contact. Mm. And using your body, even with mm. grinding, like, mm. connect and get that mm. kind of sway, yeah. use your hips. You just need a bit, you need a belly. Then you I don't have that grinding belly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, Trenton doesn't have a grinding belly. He doesn't have a grinding belly. No, I have a, I have I a, a washing board. I see and just like, 
I, no, I have a washing board. <laughs> a washing board. Yeah. yeah. But it's um, using your whole because I I watch I I don't like watching Forge Team Fire because you see these guys that say they've been making knives for ten years or whatever, and when I see them swing a hammer, I look at them and I go, "You haven't swung a hammer in twenty years because they've got no form, no technique, no technique." Yeah. If you watch how a farrier forges. They've got a different forging technique. They've got a high, because they use a, a slightly lighter hammer. Yeah. But they can do everything with that one hammer, and they've got a higher temper, but they use their whole body. So when they lift up the hammer, they, they, they stand up on, the, on their body, and then they come down. They wow. use their whole knees and their whole That's upper body so to lift up. And the trick is, actually, when you hit the piece, you must try to get the hammer as close to as possible so you can lift it up in a straight line closer to your body as opposed to trying to lift it up. And also using wow. that, like like I said with Crane, mm. it's that almost like a ball. It's a whip it. It's a ball. As soon as you, you want to bring it back. Yeah. So you can and the first motion, or when you flick it down, you flick it back up, and yeah. then you use your body to, to yeah. lift up. And to get the more power, you just lift it higher. Yeah, that's what Stuart always says. Above your shoulder, above mm. your shoulder. Not this little mm. tippy-tippy tap. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the form aspect is definitely something that's very interesting to me because even when teaching students uh, how to make friction bias, your form, if your form is wrong, yeah. it's, it's unattainable. <laughs> mm. In the beginning stages, mm. it's unattainable. You can't get it right. If you don't tuck your wrist in to hold the bearing block and then on your spindles down onto your half mm. and you've got your bow here, Obviously, I'm doing the, the stance wrong because I'm not kneeling down on the floor. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've seen guys trying to support it with one arm and their whole arm is wobbling and then the spindle jumps out and mm. and it's a it's a major and issue. body mechanics as well. So mm. if yes. you use those three points mm. of contact, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's how it works. It's the same as when you're grinding. You, you lock your, your wrists mm. and your arms onto mm. your body so you can and have that the hips. Yeah. Yeah, mm. it's the hips. Yeah, I got that from Boron Bronson. Well, I, I got that naturally somehow. I don't know. Don't ask questions. But anyway, so that was the martial arts discussion and the form discussion and uh, the knife making discussion. It was lovely. Mm. It was incredible. Uh, do you want to do music? Yes, we wanted to talk about that. So mm. let's start off with you asking a question for Joanne. I've just got to sort something out real quick. Yeah, so we talk a lot about sort of flow state when you in the making process, and I use Trenton uses music sometimes to get you into that sort of flow, like when you're handstanding when you're doing mm. it monotonous. But you know when you have flow state when everything is just moving smoothly. Mm. Um, so what type of music do you listen to when you when you're working? So I got a bit of a weird. Taste in music. So um, my dad brought me up on his music. So um, Golden Herring, uh, Fleetwood Mac, uh, all the you know Led Zeppelin, Queen, all of that. Not and a, then I also have a taste for the very old music, mm. like um, the Ink Spots, uh, the Andrew Sisters, Bobby Darwin, Glenn Glenn Miller. I love Glenn I Miller. I know Glenn Miller. Yeah. And then I love film yeah. music. So about 90% of my music is actually film scores. Okay. So I've got a lot of, like, if I want to do a nice, hectic workout session, like, right. my favorite is to put on Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, so, okay. Like, it, it gets the energy going. Mm. And you just, 
I love Hansima's work with uh, yes. with Sherlock Holmes, the music oh, from yes. Sherlock Holmes. I've got that all downloaded. Sure. It's and brilliant. Yeah, Hans Zimmer is a genius, and then there's yes. also another one. Uh, he also uses diegetic sound, which is sound that's not traditionally an instrument, but mm. he uses it as an instrument. And the one was Atonement, where they used the typewriter. Okay. Which was quite as an instrument. I think Hans Zimmer did that as well. I yes. came across a video on YouTube where this guy talked about the saddest song you will ever hear. And this guy, he's a, he puts music together, but what he did is, it's about six hours long, this music album, so to say. But it's the, the five stages of dementia. Oh, But he's taken, like, 30s and 40s music, 1930s and 40s music, and he plays it, and it slowly he adds distortion or... Or like if you're playing on an old LP where you get that crackle static. Oh, that's awesome. And the music slowly, slowly deteriorates until I haven't got to the end. I've got to stage two, which was depressing enough. But he said it was the most fascinating use of music to to depict actually what dementia looks like. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. That is that's the dark song. Yeah. I bet. (coughs) Well, what is your song of the week? My song of the week, man, do I have to choose? It would have to be Numa from Tool. I mean, that is just the business for me. If I want to get into a flow state, that's what mm. I listen to. Yeah, my song of the week is from... The Pixies, Where's My Mind? Where Is My Mind? That's the acoustic version. Yeah. That's, an, that's a good, good song. It's a good yeah. song. Well, that was, we don't have an appropriate joke for this episode. Yeah, so, I know. Uh, the one I told Trenton is just really inappropriate. It's, yeah. a, it's a Jim Carr joke, so we won't go there. Yeah, so we're not, we're not going to go there. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> uh, Joanne, where can people find you? So, they can find me, I am on Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, just under my name, uh, Joanne Wright, so you can just send me a friend request. I am on Instagram, <laughs> I'm a newbie to Instagram, mm-hmm. so I don't post as often as most people, um, so mm-hmm. it's joezezerus.wright. Mm-hmm. I might change the name to make it a bit simpler at a late stage, but for now it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where you can find me. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Joanne, thank you for joining us, my friend. It is Awesome. awesome. Absolutely awesome. We enjoyed you. the episode. And uh, you're the first official, uh, guest. official guest on the podcast. Oh, on the podcast. Nice. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So sorry about it taking so long, but we're glad we got to do it. And mm-hmm. thanks for coming over. No, thank you. Cool. That's it for this week's episode. And yeah, we will see you or we'll you will hear us uh, next time on the podcast. Yes, yes. Unless we're doing live feeds in between. You know, yeah. you never know with us. Anyways, guys, that's it. Thanks for joining. Keep it real. Don't hit black steel. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's awesome. Keep it real. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Open Hearthcast. Find us on Instagram at Open Hearthcast. And we'll see you again real soon.